Welcome everybody to the Joe Random Sports Podcast. The famous name from MLB The Show Career Mode started a group of fantasy leagues years ago. And today, we gather with longtime Joe Randoms, Stephen Thayer and Matt Ramirez to talk all things sports with other Joe Randoms. Our special guest today is a pioneer, a 13-year Joe Random and 2018 fantasy baseball champion, Andrew Thayer. We hope you enjoy the show. And remember, just keep swishing and don't strike out. Welcome, everybody, to the Joe Random Sports Podcast, episode number eight. We got Andrew Thayer with us, Matt Ramirez. Should be a great show today. Uh, Andrew, how you doing? I, 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 just, I just couldn't be any happier. Uh, my, my fantasy football team improved for the fourth consecutive year with a nice eighth-place finish. I couldn't be more thrilled with that, and I'm looking forward to a continued improvement uh, as, as we proceed. Was that 10th, 9th, 8th, and this year 7th or something like that? Uh, I think uh, 11th, 10th, 9th, 8th. Okay, fantastic. Uh, And this is great because we've got the co-commissioner for our fantasy football league here in Andrew Thayer. And uh, Matt Ramirez just won the 2021 Joe Hannum's Fantasy Football Championship. So, uh, Matt, what, what do you plan to do with your winnings here? Ooh, I don't know. I don't think I have anything set in stone. I am going on a abandoned dune golf trip in two weeks, so I'll probably use it for that. It's good. Get you a couple of beers after the round two. Not bad. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I appreciate see. everyone who's who pitched in this year. <laughs> Andrew, do you have uh, any comments on the the fantasy football season while we got you? No, uh, just just a big congratulations to uh, to to all of our to all of our winners. And a big thank you to everyone's uh, strong uh, participation. I think we had a, a fairly competitive season. Um, and I, I would be interested to get some thoughts on uh, if people like the whole one week $15 winning thing that we had going on. I have to say it was a nice uh, little chunk of change for us consolation prizes here. And obviously Matt got to build on his overall total. So I guess, uh, you know, Andrew, we're, we're thrilled to have you on this show. And I see you're sporting your, your Raiders hat and your Allegiant Stadium jacket. They're, it's definitely a tie between you and Rich for biggest Raider fan in the league. So we had Rich on last week. We have you on today. The stakes are even higher. Uh, why don't we jump right into this AFC playoff picture? Uh, first of all, Thoughts on what happened this weekend, and then uh, what do you what do you kind of envision moving forward? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, you, you had you had the Steelers uh, stay in the hunt uh, with uh, with Big Ben's last uh, game at Heinz Field, uh, most most potentially. So it seems like they uh, uh, they did pretty well. They they won it for Big Ben. Um, however, I'm not sure if the Jaguars are going to be the Colts next week. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting uh, spoiler game to to watch. Um, it turns out that um, Indianapolis has not beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014. So that's going to be an interesting one to, to track uh, moving forward. But uh, staying on to last week, I mean, Jacksonville was complete trash against New England Patriots. Just um, I think what was it like 50 to 10 or something like that. So that it's not really leaving my uh, my hopes too high for uh, for Jacksonville coming through. Um but at the end of the day, it's a win and you're in for, for, for the Raiders and Chargers. And uh, I don't think any of them plan to get in through the back door. 
Um, of course, we'll both take it uh, if, if that's the case. You know, we've all had to go to the club through the back door every once in a while. But, um, you know, it feels much better when you can just walk right in the front door and, and say, no, I, I belong here. Uh, I paid my cover. And I belong here. So, um, so I, I, I'm uh, looking forward to that Sunday night matchup with, with, uh, with the Raiders and Chargers. And I think that's really the only um, uh, win and end game in the AFC um, uh, next week. Everything else is just going to be seating related. Um, but I did want to shout out the Cincinnati Bengals uh, looked really good against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and I, I don't know if something is, is really going on at, at, at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, I, I would, uh, in, in the wake of, um, in the wake of John Bannon's passing, I, I went back and I looked at uh, quite a few of his old interviews and in one of them, uh, he was talking about how, um, he was encouraging the use of rats in the visiting locker room, um, for, uh, back at the Oakland Coliseum, uh, a very, the strategy is just wonderful, uh, for, for back in the day. I wonder if something like that's happening at Arrowhead Stadium. You go into Arrowhead Stadium and you'd be surprised. I mean, the, the Steelers just got pounced. The Raiders got pounced. Um, and it's just a, it just makes you think your team is trash. Uh, every time you leave Arrowhead, you're like, well, geez, we have a lot of problems. Uh, but then you realize, oh, that was weird. Uh, I think, guess we're okay. Um, so I think uh, something's going on there. And then sure enough, the Chiefs leave Arrowhead Stadium. And they have to play in Cincinnati, a very good Bengals team. And um, I mean, that the second half, they didn't show up. So it was really good to see Cincinnati uh, come out on top there uh, and, and take the AFC North and, uh, and bring the Chiefs uh, back down to earth. Um, so, so that's what I got for you. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, we're on to Cincinnati. They, uh, they really are the biggest story, I think, this year. If you have to look at collectively which team really surprised some people and we've seen what Joe Burrow is being able to do these last couple of weeks. He looks like an all-star Jamar chase has put himself into the offensive player rookie of the year discussion. I mean, there there's been a lot of good things happening in Cincinnati and that was a huge, huge upset. Um, you mentioned a lot of things there in the John Madden uh, and uh, you actually met John Madden, if I'm not mistaken, it was a, was a foothill Cal high football game. I, I was. Yeah. Well, it was just um, it was just a blessing to be actually sitting on the same bench, uh, uh, you know, along with a few hundred other people on the, on that bench over there. So, and that that's that's basically the the extent of our uh, of our meet and greet. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I got to shake his son's hand at the end of the game when they were doing the the, the handshakes. <laughs> he was the foothill freshman coach. Uh, so, yeah, that's great. And uh, well. Well, good, good. This is good. Matt, uh, there was a lot that Andrew gave us there. Um, do you want to expound upon any of those points or any other takeaways you had from this weekend? No, I mean, I, you hit it right on the head, Andrew, with the Bengals. I mean, what a, what a year they're turning in right now here, getting hot at the right time. They seem to me like the biggest danger to the Chiefs in the AFC. I mean, <clears throat> obviously after this weekend or after last weekend, I had said it was the Colts. Um, and then the Colts lose this weekend. So I'm, I, the AFC is wide open. And I really think, um, depending on how Derrick Henry comes back, you get the Bengals. The Bills are always dangerous with Josh Allen. I mean, Patriots can stuff pretty much anyone. I mean, it's a wide open, uh, 
AFC, and then you even get down to the Chargers, Raiders, Colts, like that. I mean, there's a lot of good teams uh, in the AFC that could make a run at this thing. Um, in the NFC, I think the Packers showed us more of what we, we kind of expected from them. Um, the biggest story out of the NFC for me is obviously the Buccaneers. Uh, old buddy Antonio Brown is uh, making headlines and probably one of the most incredible things I've ever seen happen at a football game. I don't know about you guys, but I was uh, completely shocked by that. Which is, it's crazy because it was one of the most crazy things you would probably ever see on a football field. However, nobody was surprised. And, and that's, that's really the kicker for me is given his history, that was not out of the ordinary, you know? So we don't need to talk too much about him. Obviously we got a lot of playoff scenarios to hash out. I just think the bottom line with the AB situation is regardless of what has been said between the two sides, the man clearly needs some, some help. And I, I hope he can get it. The issue is with his condition or the believed condition, right. Of CTE, he's not really in a position to accept help. So it's such a, such a spiral effect of, Oh man, like hopefully this guy will be around. And, and I know we talked about borderline hall of famers last week. I mean, AB in our minds is a pretty much a surefire hall of famer, at least from a, a wide receiver standpoint. But with, if this is truly the way he goes out, I have a hard time feeling that the voters will, will get him in at least. I mean, I don't know. Is there, obviously there's a few hall of famers that have had their issues, but is this almost because of the social media age too big that he doesn't get in? I, I don't know. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I think that's going to be a big discussion here in the next few years. What a, what a career he's had. What uh, some crazy antics over the years from kicking punters in the face to uh, humping the goalpost to, to this now. But, yeah, we can leave it at that. But, Andrew, I don't know if you have anything on the A-B situation being a former – or being a former Raiders player. Yeah, yeah, no um... – no, no further comment on that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, it was quite a while ago where, where the Raiders fell into that trap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just don't see anybody else really taking a chance with that anymore. You know, if it doesn't work with Brady twice now, uh, I just don't think there's any hope. Playoff scenarios for the AFC. Uh, Andrew, you mentioned it's a win and get in for that Chargers Raiders game. Uh, there's the potential for Jacksonville to upset the Colts. Uh, I don't know the likelihood of that, but it's a potential. And if the Colts do lose, then it kind of opens up a whole can of worms, uh, depending on what happens in the Ravens Steelers game. Uh, do you guys have any predictions on what might happen or what you would like to see happen? Andrew, I'll start off with a shorter take, then you can kind of take it over from there with uh, the Jacksonville Colts and the AFC. But um, I think the Jacksonville Colts game is going to be tighter than people think. I mean, obviously, it's dangerous when you go into Jacksonville's at home, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's dangerous when you go into for the last time of the year, this team's going in and playing at their place. They have literally nothing to lose. So these players are just going to be all amped up trying to end the season on a high note, get some good film out, get some, get some things for your contract discussion. Um, so I think it's going to be a battle. Um, I, I mean, I just don't know if the Jaguars have the horses, but um, I, get it. I, I, I do have the, uh, the Colts getting in, um, and Raiders chargers. I'm going to go with my guy, Herbert. 
Um, he's been my guy for the last year and a half now. So I, I got to roll with him, Andrew. I'm sorry about that. No. Uh, yeah. Um, so I agree. I think the Colts, um, it's very hard to envision Jacksonville winning that one. But you're right. It's just the, the whole year has been very unpredictable. Um, you, you never know what you're going to get. Um, but, you know, after Jacksonville's performance last week, it doesn't really leave much, much promise for, for them to, uh, to put up too much of a fight. Though, of course, I, that would be good to see. I, I would be hoping for that. Um, but in order for it to become, uh, you know, an automatic playoff scenario for the Raiders, uh, the, the Steelers would also have to lose, I believe. Uh, when, and they're playing the Ravens, I think. So, there's, so that's two things. At the end of the day, um, uh, the, the, the Raiders shouldn't care. They really shouldn't care about, uh, and the Chargers shouldn't care. It's a one to get in, uh, and and that's that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna be uh, that's what the minds are gonna be focused on. This game is gonna come down to uh, something that the Raiders really haven't had a lot of this year, which is home field advantage. Uh, home field advantage is very difficult to come by uh, for these Raiders, um, and I think a lot of it's the product of, of of this new stadium in Las Vegas, when you don't really have a, a homegrown fan base quite yet. Las Vegas, I refer to it as this is the destination wedding. Uh, this is where um, people are, they, you're probably going to get the majority of those fans. You're going to be traveling uh, to get there. You know, the Raiders fans are going to be traveling from L.A. They're going to be traveling from Oakland, the Bay Area, and frankly, all over the country, all over the world in some cases, um, so they can go see their team. Um, along with that, is the opposing team. Now, if you're an opposing, uh, if you're a fan of the opposing team, you're probably saying, well, you know, I, I like to go to one away game every year. So let, let me see who we're playing this year. Uh, yeah, let, let me, oh, the Las Vegas Raiders. We're going to go to Las Vegas. We're going to spend an awesome weekend there. We're going to enjoy that, that awesome new stadium, uh, that awesome new Allegiant Stadium. So what the product was is um, you get like 60, 40 uh, fans there. You got like 60% Raider fans and 40% opposing team fans. Um, so th that really is not uh, a true home field advantage. Uh, so I know I'm, I, I'm getting a little bit of a long-winded answer here, but uh, back in 2019, this is when we were still in Oakland, when the Raiders were still in Oakland, um, we went to a, a Thursday night football game. Uh, it was the Raiders versus the Chargers. It was one of the last wins that we had at the Coliseum. Um, and this was when Philip Rivers was, you know, st still hated, uh, still on the Chargers. Um, uh, and, you know, you could sense that, uh, you know, sitting there, you could get in there for, a, for an affordable, nice, affordable ticket, maybe like 150 bucks for like a really good seat right in the first row, right in the first section. Uh, but if you just wanted to get into the game, it's like, you know, 35 bucks or something for a primetime NFL game. That's not too far from where we live. So um, and as the game is going, I was looking around and I'm saying like, wow, these fans are literally not going to let this team lose. We're not going to let this team like we really feel like we are a participant in the game. You feel like you're that, you know, what Seattle would call the 12th man. Uh, like, like this is just, they're not going to let it happen. Like if the score happens to be 27 to 26 chargers with no time left on the clock, and I wouldn't be surprised if all these fans storm the field and then they hold the refs hostage until they change the scoreboard. Like, I really think that would have happened. 
Now, luckily, we didn't have to see that because the Raiders ended up winning the game. But I think that a large part of that was because uh, how much energy the fans were giving uh, to, to the folks at the Coliseum. So that was uh, in 2019. Uh, 2020, uh, you know, obviously didn't go to any games that year. 2021 uh, went to Las Vegas uh, Chiefs game. And this is where I'm talking about the 60-40 paradox that we're getting. The stadium is 40% red. That's a problem. That was a big problem for us. Now, I understand how uh, it's really easy for Kansas City fans to travel. And it's just, I mean, the same difficulty for, for the Raiders fans to travel to that central destination right there in Las Vegas. But um, that was not a home field advantage at all. I mean, that was a neutral location. Um, you, can, you can tell it was more Raiders fans than Chiefs fans, but you're not getting that true, you know, we're really impacting the game uh, type feeling. You're getting more of a, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, viewing, I'm viewing a sporting event. I'm viewing an entertainment sporting event uh, type feeling. And then, well, then when, I, when I really realized, uh, when it really hit me was at the end of the game, it's like it was like 41 to 14 it was something like that the chiefs had won the game and i felt like i was the most angry person in the whole stadium <laughs> now to me that's a problem uh, as a raider fan at the coliseum uh you know and i've and i had to suffer through a through a i'm a homes game at the coliseum as well when we lost you know what was it like 28 to 0 it was there was that big shutout game where, where mm. Mahomes had four touchdowns in the second quarter and then nothing else happened throughout the whole game for either team. And uh, that game, I was very angry, um, but I gained comfort in seeing other fans that were more angry than I was. And then like, now, okay, good. Now we have some misery. Misery has some company. And you, you feel a little bit more like family when, when that's the case. Now, in the, in the Las Vegas game, I felt like I was the most angry one. Everyone was just kind of like, proceeding you know about their normal day granted i sat in and i have to say i sat in like an employee section because we had the we got the tickets through yours truly um nathan kuzbari which deserves a shout out um and i wasn't sitting like in the in, in the first le level or you know where all the, the black hole or anything like that but just kind of walking around at the end of the game uh it, it didn't really feel um like you know this is how a home loss should feel it felt like everyone was just you know excited to exit the stadium and proceed about their evening i even saw the ushers and this is like this is probably a good thing i saw the ushers uh, congratulating the chiefs fans for their win <laughs> they said oh congratulations for your win anybody in a chiefs jersey congratulations for your win that's that's very very sweet very sweet very nice um but anyway, uh, and, and the moral of the story is that at that time, it wasn't necessarily a home field advantage. Now you fast forward um, to let's go to the Denver Bronco game at Allegiant Stadium, which was a couple of weeks ago. That's when you have uh, the quarterback, Derek Carr, saying that this is the first time it really felt the home field advantage, like the fans were actually into the game. Uh, and then sure enough, it, it helped. I mean, the, the Broncos got completely shut out in, in the second half of, the, of that game. Uh, now, now fast forward to, to this week, you have Basaccia, uh, encouraging, I want this game to be a blackout. You want people to, to show up dressed in all black, uh, all Raider fans, um, you know, let's really try to build this fan base right here, get everybody out. And, uh, and it's going to really feel like a whole field advantage. It should help because the chargers 
I mean, it's a great rivalry. It's a great rivalry between the Raiders and Chargers and the Raiders fans and Chargers fans. Um, but the Chargers fan base, I feel like, is a lot smaller than the Raiders fan base. So I think that will help this home field advantage uh, feeling. And then, and then finally, the moral of the story is at the end of the day, when you have so much on the line and everything has been so unpredictable, I think that adrenaline is going to push the Raiders through, even though uh, the Chargers are, are, are a more talented team. I'm, I'm not afraid to say that. The Chargers are a more talented team. You, got, you have Herbert, you have uh, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. I think they're finally both healthy. Yeah. Um, and you have Derwin James. Uh, I mean, all these guys, they were joking they should have themselves in, um, like just in, in plastic bags for the whole week so they don't get anything related to COVID that's going to keep them out for the game. Uh, Joey but, Bosa? Yeah, Joey Bosa, who, who had, I think, mistakenly um, – Took a shot at Derek Carr the last time they played, um, and it's in his post-game press conference. He was talking about the ease of how to put pressure on Derek Carr. Once you touch him, he finally he just crumples or something like that. Uh, so Derek Carr had a response as he should have, and I think there's a little bit of a rivalry between those two now. Uh, so that should be interesting uh, to see how that plays out. But uh, moral of the story: Chargers more talented team, but the Raiders win the game due to the adrenaline due to the home field advantage, so many things at stake here. And unfortunately, it might have to be as stressful as whoever has the ball last is going to win the game. Wow. That's a, a fantastic metaphor, too, about it's you, you feel like you're going to an entertainment event sometimes. Uh, and it's, it's almost like you, you pay a few hundred bucks for a Vegas show. And it's just one of those shows that you can go at like Luxor or MGM or Little or Caesars. So that's a good point about the, the metaphor there. And uh, hopefully the home crowd shows up in, in full force. Uh, hopefully the black hole is not just the corner of the end zone and back at the end zone. Hopefully it's in the entire stadium. Um, you mentioned the Chargers and the Joey Bosa. I think, I think this is a great game for Derek Carr to really show everybody that he's legit. And I mean, to me, we we have enough evidence that he's knocking on the door of a top 10 quarterback in the league, if not already in the top 10, especially given what they've done this year with all of the issues that they've had. And we just had another one this week with Hobbs getting arrested for a DUI. He was a big factor in that last win against the Colts. So this is this is a big game for Carr. Um, I'm, I'm excited for him. I think he rises to the occasion and the uh, if it means anything, the Raiders are the hottest team in football. So I see them coming in and it doesn't matter how good Justin Herbert plays. The Raiders defense is incredibly underrated. And I just love how the announcers jinxed Jonathan Taylor in the last game. They're like, Oh, you know, Taylor is over a hundred yards and uh, the, the Colts are nine and zero when he rushes for over a hundred yards. And Andrew and I are looking at each other like, Oh, that's that doesn't matter anymore. Like this game is going to be one single-leggedly by Daniel Carlson. Um, so, uh, very excited for the Raiders there, uh, Matt. Just a week ago, two weeks ago, you were saying how the Colts are the dark horse to beat the Chiefs. Do you? Who do you have taking the AFC as a whole? That's tough. Um, I think if the playoff picture stays as it is now, um, and the Chiefs are the two seed. I think, I think the Chiefs get to the Super Bowl again. The one thing I am worried about with them is that their offense just—it doesn't seem. 
Mahomes seems a little off still. So depending on how he he rolls into form in the playoffs and if they're able to um, put a win or two together, I think they'd win the conference championship. I don't game. know how they're off, though. I mean, they, they're freaking eight in a row, and then they got punked by just a slightly higher-powered offense that week. So to me, the Chiefs are still the team to beat despite the, the Bengals' run. And that's what I'm thinking, too. I mean, the thing – it's more of an eye testing for me with Mahomes. He's not as electric as he used to be. And maybe that's better. Uh, maybe he's better when he's playing safe for football, but um, the dark horse team out of the AFC, I think is still the Colts. Um, if they get in, I just think that run game and defense plays really well in the playoffs. I, I could be completely wrong with that. Um, but I really like the Colts roster as a whole. I got a, a really bold prediction for you guys. Because this NFL has been, this season has been anything but normal. And it's only fitting that the, the, the playoffs get, the, or the seeding and all of that get decided by something abnormal. Um, so I'm sticking by, obviously, my Raider prediction, uh, getting into the playoffs and beating the Chargers, boot the Chargers out. I think Jacksonville does upset Indianapolis. And my quick reasoning for that is, going into Florida, going into humid Florida late in the year. We remember the Miami miracle a few years ago when uh, Kenyon Drake uh, upset Tom Brady. Um, it just happens to be that uh, New England is also going into Miami uh, this weekend as well. Uh, and uh, Carolina is going into Tampa Bay. I think all Florida teams win this week. And uh, Jacksonville uh, upsets Indy. Indy gets booted. The Raiders win. The Steelers beat the Ravens. The Raiders go in as the five seed. Steelers the, or excuse me, the six seed, and the Steelers the seven seed. And uh, I think uh, we're going to get a showdown here of uh, another a rematch of Cincinnati and the Raiders. Uh, they're going to have to go into Cincinnati, and this time uh, beat them on their turf. Wow. <laughs> wow. That, that, that scenario, the, the ending scenario, um, cause you're just saying the, the six seed plays the three seed. Right. Um, I mean, if the Raiders win, then that's probably who they're going to play. I mean, the three seed, I think. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that ending result is unbelievably far fetched. Um, but, uh, but I like the, I like the whole Florida philosophy. And then I, I would throw in just, uh, um, not only is it the last week of the season, which historically provides a few eyebrow raisers uh, <laughs> in the past, it's also an extended season. You never know. Uh, everything can, anything can happen in, in, in the last week of the year. So I think uh, it's not, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, whatever happens. So I, I know real quick, I know you're biased, Andrew, but you have to pick somebody in the AFC to come out on top. Who do you pick? I like Cincinnati. All right, um, but uh, but but if, if the Raiders are in there, I'm all, I'm all Raiders. Okay. Uh, so we'll 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 see how that goes. Um, but you can't deny the talent there. I mean, I think Burrow's thrown for like 970 yards his past two games. It's not not for the faint of heart, um, and and I think he's been sacked quite a bit too. So imagine if he actually had some pretty good protection there. Yeah, their line is still atrocious. Yeah. Um, so if you can protect them, then that they can go really far in the playoffs. Uh, and, and then, of course, Jamar Chase. Um, 
has has I think we'll get more into the rookies later. Um, but he's just an incredible weapon that they have. And um, but but if they play the Raiders, then then it's a totally different story. So uh, you can talk to me when when that happens. Good. I I want to move to the NFC, but we haven't said a word about the Titans, and uh, I would be legitimately scared here because not because of Ryan Tannehill. But because of Derrick Henry, uh, the word is that he's supposed to practice tomorrow. Uh, he won't play this week, but he could return for the first week of the playoffs. Uh, obviously, they have a buy. Well, they, put, I guess, are going to secure the buy here more than likely, right? I don't know if it's already been decided, but they have the one seed right now. Uh, if the Titans have Derrick Henry, I, I'm very scared, no matter who they play. I think they've showed that they're a different football team with Derrick Henry on the field, not to mention if A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are healthy, uh, it doesn't really matter what Tannehill can or can't do at that point because the game is not riding on him. It's it's riding on that rest of that offense. Um, I will say with the news of Bud Dupree kind of coming out this week with the assault allegations, that's a big void to fill. So if if he ends up not playing. So that will be interesting to, to see what the NFL does. But any last words on the Titans run here, or, or, or are they still a fraud? They have some pretty bad losses. I actually didn't see that Henry was already practicing again. So, I mean, with my run game defense philosophy, I mean, they they might be the better pick than the Colts. But they're, I, I don't think anyone wants to play them. And sneak, they basically snuck into a one seed. That's If they can win this weekend, that would be extremely impressive with what they've gone through this year. No, and it's, 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 it's funny how we say sneak in, like they've only lost four games, you know, it's, it's not like they're 10 and seven, um, five, but yeah, five. Okay. same. Like, like we're, we look at, I just think it's funny how over the course of the year, the narrative has been, well, Mahomes still isn't quite right. I mean, the chiefs are on a roll. Oh, well, uh, you know, uh, Tampa Bay has had some issues like Brady's still, like only has four losses. Rogers with all his, it, like he's probably the best in the best position to win it right now. And so it's just funny that the narrative of the Titans fits right in there. And so uh, I'm, I'm excited what will happen here <laughs> at the end of the week. So, okay. Uh, NFC. Uh, I'm a little bit charged, of course, uh, not uh, for the Niners here. Um, there was a lot of banter about, Trey Lance before the game, you know, I've been very vocal that he's not ready, that he's more than likely a bust and uh, that we're going nowhere without Jimmy. Now he looked awful in the first half. I don't, I don't, I I know that's not very objective, but I think it's safe to say that people would more than likely agree with me there. And somehow he turned it around in the second half. Um, I will say that he played a little bit better football. Uh, Granted the running game was really strong the Texans are not a great football team, in spite of what we might like to think about Davis Mills. Um, so, and you know, he was aided by by uh, some pretty good defense too. So, I don't know what to make of Trey Lance yet. They the Niners haven't ruled a starter for this last game, but if Jimmy can play, um, he's got to play because the Rams now have a kind of it's not a must win, but they're going to play for the division. And that, that means a lot. So the Rams aren't going to lay down. The Niners sure as are, they can't lay down. They have to go into LA. That's not going to be easy. And to make matters worse, the freaking saints are still in it. So I want to kind of throw it out to you guys of 
because I didn't really understand what was going on here. How did the Eagles clinch before us when we have the same record and we beat the Eagles? Like, I, I'm trying to figure out, is it like divisional record after that? Because I just am like, well, if we're all nine and eight, then how do the Saints get in over us? So, so I have an answer. I have an answer for you, but Matt, do you have the answer too? Um, I'm not sure if it was official, so you go ahead. Uh, so here's here's a type. So your your question is if if all three of these teams are nine and eight at the end of the year, how are the Niners the odd man out? Right. Well, um, here's the, here's the deal. Uh, so none of these teams are in the same division, so the divisional tiebreakers don't don't uh, come into play here. Um, and then the other thing would be if one team has beaten the other two and that whole thing, then they automatically get on top. Um, and then the reverse of it, if one team has lost to both of them, then they would be on the bottom. Um, but in this case, if, if those don't apply, then it goes to conference record. Mm. So if you're saying that the Eagles would have to lose, I'm going off memory here, the Eagles would have to lose to the Cowboys next week. They go nine and eight, but that would put them at seven and five for their conference record. Uh, the Saints would have to win. They would go nine and eight, uh, and they, but then they would also go seven and five. Uh, for their conference record. If the Niners lose, they go six and six in the conference. So it's really just coming down to the conference record. I see. Thanks for clarifying that. And that just, it kind of irks me a little bit because of how weak the divisions that the Saints and the, the uh, why am I fumbling? The Eagles play. Eagles. Like Dallas is good and Tampa Bay is good, but like the rest of that is pretty junk. Um and I'm hoping Matt Ryan pulls one out of the hat this week against New Orleans because I'm really not feeling very good about uh, the Niners this week, especially with our COVID issues. Um, we could be out four or five dudes and not just any dudes, but guys that, that make differences. So, no, but thanks for, for clarifying that, uh, that point there. I was excited to see Trey. Uh, I know we had talked about him a lot in the past. Um, and I was skeptical of him. Um, I still am a little bit, but I, I, I mean, I like the idea of seeing them play and see what we have. Um, the tough thing for the Niners right now is they essentially, if Jimmy's able to play, they essentially have two decent options at quarterback. And the old saying of if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. Um, that it's, it's just not a good feeling going into LA. Um, LA is going to play as hard as they can to win the division and keep the two seed. So, I don't. I think my Hall of Famer Matt Ryan has to has to pull something out for us. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm like, why? Why? You know, Arizona looked so bad the last few weeks, and then out of nowhere, they beat Dallas. It's like, you know what? These guys are worthless. I mean, it's like can't stand the Cowboys. They ain't worth anything. They all screw us over. Can't stand the Cardinals. They always screw us over. So I think it sucks for us because we got destroyed by our own division and uh, that really hurt our conference record. Yeah. Who do, you have getting, who do you have getting in officially? Well, let's see. I mean, obviously the Eagles are already in, so it's really just Niners or saints. And uh, I can't, I can't stomach myself. I, I mean, I'd rather predict myself to be wrong and, or, you know, I, I'd rather be wrong than take a win somewhere. Uh, but I'm going to say that the Niners actually do find uh, a little lightning in the bottle here. I, I despite my criticism, uh, that doesn't mean that they might not win. I'm just saying that I think they get in, uh, whether that's some luck from 
the Falcons or they somehow beat the Rams. I think what's really cool, and this is this is more of the fan in me speaking, to have both the Niners and the Raiders get in at 10 and 7 potentially uh, is pretty special for the Bay Area. We have not seen that in our lifetimes. I, there have been years where they both made the playoffs, but not in this situation where they're both like on the fringe and they both might get in. And I don't think anybody would have thunk that at the beginning of the season that they're both going to be borderline wildcard in the last week. So I'm pulling for the Bay area here, despite the Raiders being in Vegas. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to matter what happens with New Orleans. I, I do think the Niners pull one out um, again against Los Angeles. Um, I think number one, Shanahan kind of owns McVay and just going, going in the past, including this year. Um, so that's, that's definitely a plus. Um, number two, I think he's going to be, I'm not, I don't have all the facts, but I think Shanahan and the Niners are going to be pretty cryptic about who starts uh, all the way up until game time on Sunday at a quarterback, <laughs> whether, whether it's going to be Garoppolo or, um, or Lance. Um so, so that, so I, I mean, it'd be interesting. I, I'd be surprised if Garoppolo can come back that quickly from, from that injury. Um, but if they do have both of them, they could pull the Raiders and then, you know, you, you, you use Garoppolo, which would be a used car. And then you, um, every once in a while, you throw them off with, with a Lance package with a, with a goal line package with a fourth and one package for Lance. Um, and I think that would be, make things interesting too. But um Lance is for the future. He's he's for he's for the years to come. Uh, I don't I don't think he's for this year. Maybe like a a Raiders car Mariota situation. You think uh, potentially in this game? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that would be the you know yeah that that's that's probably an interesting way to look at it because you want the you want to have the Rams prepare for two quarterbacks and and confuse them a little bit, deceive them a little bit. And I think a lot of, uh, you know, Trey Lance had a pretty good performance last week. I think a lot of it was aided by Shanahan's game management, Shanahan's play calling, uh, and then just getting it into the hands of the playmakers. So I think, um, you know, either whatever, whatever they do, I think Niners have a pretty good chance. Yeah, I I think that was a good point to highlight. He got it in the hands of the playmakers. Uh, He didn't necessarily do anything special. Um, through the air on the ground, but uh, you're right. Shanahan kind of created some situations for Samuel and Ayuk and Elijah Mitchell to kind of do their thing. And I think that really helped Trey because he made some throws there where I was like, Oh boy, because I think he, he could easily turn the ball over one or two more times in that game. And potentially it's a different result. Uh, But what I will say is if the Niners don't make it uh, and and I've been kind of critical of Shanahan this whole season, I mean, given the start that we've had and the talent, the supposed talent on our roster, or that at least the trajectory of what our team was supposed to be, uh, the, the Niners uh, haven't really had a good season. And, and I, I want to go through here. We pretty much only have three good wins and all of our losses are pretty bad. Um, so like going, going down here, beat the Lions, big deal. Beat the Eagles in Philly, I'll call that one good win. Uh, Lost to the Packers. They should have won that. That's a bad loss. Should have. You could argue that we should have beat Seattle the first time. Obviously, Jimmy got hurt. I consider that a bad loss because Seattle isn't that good either. Uh, We should have beat Arizona that first game. And I I know Jimmy was out, but we still should have won that game. There were some questionable calls there from Shanahan. 
Uh, the Colts loss is, is the only one where I'm like, I might forgive just because of the weather conditions and it sucks to lose a game like that at home. Um, we didn't look good at all, but I, I can excuse that as like, all right, like you can suffer losing to the Colts. Um, beat the Bears, big deal. Lost to Arizona when they had like zero guys healthy at home. Colt McCoy. Yeah, freaking Colt McCoy, for, former Niner. Uh, that was a bad loss. We had a good win against the Rams that I think was kind of lucky, to be honest. They had some breaks there. Beat Jacksonville, big whoop. Beat the Vikings. Vikings aren't really that good if you really look at it. Uh, that second Seattle loss was terrible. That was inexcusable. They beat the Bengals in Cincinnati, which I'll give them credit for, because that one we probably could have lost, but Jimmy brought the team to victory. Uh, Niners beat the Falcons, big whoop. We lost to the Titans. We all know that was a really bad loss. Shouldn't have lost that game. Beat the Texans, big whoop. Uh, so, I mean, to me, that's that's only like three good wins and like seven bad losses or six. <laughs> yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, I think the Niners season is just a classic um, promising roster and under delivering results. I mean, the Eagles are paying Carson Wentz 30 plus million dollars this year and they have the same record. So um, it's just an underachieving year disappointment. Um, and I don't think they get in. Um, I predicted the same results uh, against the Rams last, last time. So I'm going to roll with that. Mm. And, and it's got to fall on Shanahan, right? I mean, put the Jimmy Trey stuff aside, the injuries aside, it's got to fall on Shanahan. I, I also think losing Sala was a bigger loss than people mm. realized. Yeah, it's hard, as much as I like D'Amico Ryans. Uh, but you're right, it's hard to replace a guy that was so influential for our team. And they have they have no DBs. Like, <laughs> they yeah. might have the worst defensive back room in, <laughs> in the NFL besides – the bottom three or four teams. And that's the issue every year. And somehow we, we just can't fix it. It's yeah. just, it was a problem. Yeah. I found Jason Brett and Sherman for one year and struck lightning in a bottle. And besides that, it's been brutal in the secondary. No doubt. Uh, well, okay. Your team to beat in the NFC, uh, who do you guys got? Team to beat is definitely the Packers. I think they've kind of separated themselves. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they play their starters this week. Uh, I'll go with the defending Super Bowl champions, even though uh, the whole roster is uh, completely depleted at this point. Uh, never count out the 44-year-old. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I look at the, the NFC this year, and I'm like, there just wasn't – there was such a big drop-off after those first few teams. Um, I don't think the Rams are going to make it. Uh, they've had some, a lot, some inconsistencies. Arizona sure isn't going to make it. Uh, I would be kicking. I would love for us to make it, but it just being realistic here, it's not going to happen. Philly's not going to make it. So uh, and Dallas, frankly, doesn't impress me either. I mean, so to me, I, I think we mentioned this earlier. It's a rematch of, of Green Bay and Tampa Bay in the NFC championship. And uh, this time I think Rodgers actually gets it done. The game's probably going to be in Lambeau and uh, man, they, they aren't, as Andrew says, they aren't going to let him lose. I know that Lambeau crowd, <laughs> they're, <laughs> oh, man, what a matchup. Yeah, the hardest thing for me out of the NFC is Tampa and Green Bay. I have a rule personally that I never bet or pick against Tom Brady. It's a good rule. Um, so I, I'll see how the seeding shakes up and um, 
make a final prediction next podcast on the NFC. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, that pretty much does it for the predictions and some of those scenarios there. Um, I, we'll talk quickly about offseason awards and then we'll wrap this up. You know, we've got MVP running is there's Brady Rogers, there's Cup and Taylor. Um, I, I, I mean, that's pretty much the logical four. And as, as cool as it would be to see Taylor or Cup get it, um, it's not like Taylor had um, an Adrian Peterson-like season or a, a Calvin Johnson or, a, or, I mean, it was a very good rushing year, but it wasn't, it wasn't a, a, I guess, that much of a record-breaking season, not to take away anything from him. Cooper Cup was amazing, but this is a quarterback-driven league and um, it's really got to be Brady or Rodgers. I don't know who they end up going. Do you guys have a preference? It's got to be Rodgers for me. Um, I thought it was going to be Brady. And then I think the dud and slamming the um, tablet and all the stuff going on in Tampa hurt him a little bit. And Rodgers, I mean, to his credit, with the one thing going against him is the COVID uh, vaccination immunization thing. Um, I don't know how the writers or whoever, I don't even know who votes on the NFL MVP um, decides that, but um, for him, I mean, besides the, the game against uh, New Orleans down in, I think it was a neutral site. I man, what a year from him. I think it's like 34 touchdowns, two picks. If you get rid of that game. Unbelievable. Um, it's, it's crazy how high of a level he's playing out with a broken toe um he won a game in arizona when arizona was rolling with zero weapons i mean the guy just crafted a win and um that's probably one of my favorite wins the last few years as a as an unbiased sports fan but um i think it's rogers and um i don't i wish they would make a separate quarterback award um which i guess is why they do offensive player of the year but um it'd be kind of cool to do that every year and um, see which quarterback play the best and then have an overall league MVP for maybe the best player. But I don't know. What do you got, Andrew? Uh, so I'm going to go with the, with, with the dark horse candidate. I'm going to go with, with Cooper Cup. Hmm. And I, ha- I have some logic. I have some logic on this one. And you briefly mentioned it. Um, if you go back to, to 2012, uh, and I have it pulled up here, uh, that was Calvin Johnson's record-breaking uh, 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 1,964 yards receiving. Right. Uh, and that's a 16-game season uh, in 2012. Now, there's, there's frankly, there's, there's two reasons. Uh, there are two reasons he didn't really get the, he didn't get the MVP that year. Uh, number one, because Adrian Peterson rushed for over 2,000 yards. He got the MVP. And number two, Calvin Johnson in that year where you had 122 receptions hmm. for 1,964 yards, had five touchdowns. Hmm. He had a pedestrian five touchdowns that year in 2012. So that's probably what held him back from the MVP uh, voting that year. Now, if you fast forward to 2021, um, I mentioned Calvin Johnson, 122 receptions, Cooper Cup, 138. Uh, Cooper Cup, 1,829 yards. Um, could he beat Calvin Johnson's record next week? Is it, there's a chance. Does it really mean anything? Probably not because it's a 17-game it's a 17 game season versus 16-game season. Um, 
But the difference, 15 touchdowns versus Calvin Johnson's five touchdowns. So I think with 1,800 yards and 15 touchdowns and then um, a 75% catch rate, um, you know, now you're getting into Hunter Renfro territory on, on your <laughs> catch on your catch rate. Uh, I think that really, uh, and, and then, and what, what really pushes it over the edge is, is just the Rams performance in general, uh, the chemistry he's developed. And uh, I mean, you have to be a valuable player. Like, you know, if they didn't have you, would the team still be the same? Then I don't think so. I think Cooper Cup make, make, makes a big case for himself here. You know, let me, let me ask you this before we hear Mr. Sucks's opinion, but uh, I don't even think he's the most valuable player on his own team. <laughs> would they, would they rather be missing Matt Stafford or would they rather be missing Cooper Cup going into the playoffs? Well, at the end of the day, as you guys were mentioning, it's, it's, a, it's a quarterback run league. If you don't have your quarterback, you, uh, you don't win. Like if you don't have your, your number one guy, that's the, that's the glue. That's what really holds it all together. Um, but I, I'm, I'm speaking more from the narrative of if you look at all the wide receivers this year and you look at the, the, the past wide receivers in history, uh, it's hard to find much better than the year that Cooper Cup is having. Um, I mean, it's just 100-yard game after 100-yard game, touchdown, two touchdowns. Um, it's, just, it's just incredible. So I, I think um, the, do the Rams win without, uh, without Cup? They probably can if they still have Stafford. Um, but I know it's more of just a shout out to the uh, to the uh, amount of overperformance he's had against other wide receivers this league, this year. Yeah, but wide receivers ever going to win it? It's it's going to be this year, I think. I would agree <laughs> with you on that. Yeah, it's it's really tough. Um, the funny thing is, Stafford is a quarterback for Johnson and for Cooper Cup, and yet Cup's got ten more touchdowns. Uh, I mean, that's Stafford hasn't looked great the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I know you said that it's a, the Stafford might be the most valuable, but he also could really, he, he hurts them a lot too. I mean, cup doesn't ever hurt you. So uh, I think we all, I heard this the other day, we live in a, a fantasy fied era and we look at like fantasy points. And this is true for, I'm guilty of this and in, in basketball, a lot of, guys throwing up 17 and nine or, or 20 and 10 and five or triple double, whatever it is. And like, he, he might not actually be like that good for his team. Um, it's just, a, it's a stat driven society we're living in right now. Um, so that, that could aid Cooper cup situation. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just crazy. The five touchdowns in Calvin's year. I mean, the, the corners were blanketing him. There he was, he was the only guy, that, that they really had back then. I mean, they had, they had other receivers, but nothing there. You're going to put all of the coverage on, on the hall of famer Megatron. So I think that is a good case for cup there that he did blow his season out. Um, I think AP that year, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, Oh, if you eclipse the 2000, like it's for whatever reason that, that it just, it's this, this fallacy of if, Oh, they, they have this certain number to their name. And that makes them automatically good. It's like, you know, if you hit 39 home runs or 40 home runs, you know, and it's, oh, he's a 40 home run guy. It just has a way better ring to it, but the power is, is the same. So I, I'd look at that similarly with some of these, these, these numbers that kind of justify, you know, the Terrell Davis 2000 yard season we talked about the other day. Um, 
I will argue here that uh, it's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. And I think the way that, and this has nothing to do with his season, um, because I think what he's done is probably the one of the most phenomenal seasons we've ever seen, especially what he's dealt with, is the NFL has a thing of just, and the NBA does this too, of not picking guys two years in a row. <laughs> um, <laughs> like if there's other choices, uh, Rodgers did it last year. Uh, Brady only has three MVPs, you know, and, and he's played for 20 something years. So 07, 2010, 2017, I think that's time for Brady to get his, his fourth and uh, he's going to finish with over 5,000 passing yards. And that's a thing that voters are going to look at and they're going to be, Oh, he hit the 5,000 mark. And it's just the way that it goes. Um, it's unfortunate for cup for Rogers, for Taylor, but I think it's got to go to Brady. Wow. I think the biggest thing for Rogers that's going for him is the lack of interception. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, obviously I think he was mentioning today on the McAfee show that he was probably going to play at least a little bit. So, I mean, if he could throw up another one, two, maybe get three touchdowns and no more picks. I mean, that's going to be almost, I think he'll get it 38 if he throws three. I think he's at 35 right now. I could be wrong on that. That's off the top of my head. But 35 to 38 touchdowns and four picks. Oh, oh man. It's on the best team in football, that's, that's tough to beat. Yeah. One of the games they lost was when he was out, and they only scored, what, 10 points, 7 points? Three points, I can't remember. Unbelievable. It really is how much of a difference he makes. And I saw a graphic the other day of like, you know, Rodgers being 24 and 23 without Matt LaFleur. And like with Matt LaFleur, he's like 38 and nine, <laughs> something crazy like that. And we don't give LaFleur enough credit for what he's had to deal with. Yeah, they've been a great match. Um, I know there was all the controversy when he got hired, but um, it's been a good match offensively for Rodgers. I will, I will end you guys since we're coming up on the time here. I will end you guys with a couple quick hitter questions. Um, and you don't have to expound on anything. Uh, just, uh, I mean, you can like a quick sentence if you want, but uh, uh, you can, you can, yeah. So uh, this is random. Actually, let's, let's save that one for the end. Uh, we're on the topic of Rodgers. Just a quick yes or no. Does he return to Green Bay next year? I don't want any stipulations or, well, if he wins it. No, I don't, I don't want any of that. I want a yes or no. No. Yes. I've got it. No. I'm very excited what happens after this. I think he retires. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, offensive rookie of the year. We have a few candidates. We've got Mac Jones. We've got Najee Harris. There's Jamar Chase. And let's throw Jalen Waddell in there because he's had a really good season. Um, who's your guys' pick for offensive rookie of the year? Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. And if it's anyone else, it's a joke. I mean, he, he makes the most sense dynamic-wise. Um, you can make an argument for Najee Harris because of how he's breaking some Steelers rookies records over there, but um, with a bad line, pretty clearly Jamar. Yeah. Breaking Franco Harris's rookie rushing records, a big deal. I, I agree with you guys though. I think the, the NFL predicates itself on like recency bias and they're going to look at what Jamar Chase did 
these last couple of weeks and I don't see how he doesn't get it. So I'll go with you guys with Jamar there. Um, this isn't really like a discussion, uh, but I think it's a pretty foregone conclusion. Micah Parsons is defensive player of the year. I mean, I don't know how much you guys did reading up on that. Do you guys have a rebuttal to it? TJ Watt. Sorry, excuse me. I'm sorry, uh, rookie of the year. Okay, I was going to say. <laughs> defensive rookie of the year is definitely Micah Parsons. I'm with you. TJ Watt, <sighs> he could break straight hands record this week. Yeah, I was going to say, he's going to probably get it here. That was insane. Uh, we didn't even talk about Baker Mayfield's debacle and his shoulder and all of the madness that happened last night with the Nick Chubb and Stefanski being rogue and all of that. But uh, we could we can save the Browns hatred for uh, another another day. Um, all right. I'm going to leave you guys with this last question. Uh, it's kind of a, a shot in the dark uh, <laughs> situation here. Uh, but the Washington football team announced that they are going to reveal its new name on February 2nd. Um, there's quite a few names that are in the, the running for it. I want to ask you guys just shot in the dark, what it's going to be. I'm going to list them right here. Commanders, admirals, armada, brigade, sentinels, defenders, red hogs, presidents, and just sticking with Washington football team. Any name jump out to you guys and why? My favorite Those are actually the, the final. That's yeah. the final list. <laughs> what do you think, Andrew? Um, I, think, uh, I think Red Hogs is intriguing because that's the only one that kept the color, which I thought they were trying to do. Um, but, um, I mean, I like Defenders, too. Defenders sounds nice. <laughs> Washington Red Hogs rolls off the tongue for sure. I think yeah. that's my favorite. That's what um, I thought. I saw online, I think it was on Twitter today, and then I was looking it up to see if it was true right now, but I saw that the Red Hawks was an option, and I, I kind of thought um, that'd be interesting, but it kind of it still brings up kind of that native feel to it, and I, I was shocked that that's even a, an option for them. Well, yeah, there, there's, when I was looking at these names, I was trying to, I mean, first of all, I can't even imagine Cleveland guardians. That's going to be weird to get used to, but yeah. looking at these names and ah, they sound so like spacey. Um, like the end, it just doesn't, nothing rings like NFL to me. Um, but as <laughs> I like red hogs, but it sounds too Arkansas Razorbacky for me. So I'm going to say that they go with the president's, it's the it's the least excitement, but just to stick with like you know the the whole Wizards Capitals, um, I don't know. I, I feel like that just fits with their their sports city. Uh, I like names that that kind of play off the city, you know, like the Twins, uh, for example. Yeah, that's true, and you have the. Um... The, the Nationals, the Washington Nationals. And they have their, their mascots are we like Lincoln and Roosevelt and and they make they make it work. Like they have a race. They have a race every seventh inning or something. Yeah. Uh, they make the they 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 lean into the city's culture. So I think that's a that's a good idea. I think they ultimately go that way. Although I think everybody wants the red hogs. You, you don't, I mean, there's going to be so many jokes about red hogs if that's what they go with. <laughs> It does roll off the tongue, though. Hey, dude, we got the Red Hogs versus the Eagles today. The Hogs. It's like I, the Hogs. Yeah. Yeah. 
the hogs. I like it. Ecology for me. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's not a, a clean NFL name by any means, but um, it's it's better than than the football team in my opinion. Sometimes hogs I, up, guys. Hogs up. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I, I look at the headlines and I'm like, WFT. And the first time I saw that, I was like, what What are they talking about? And it sounds like they're going, what the F, rather than yeah. Washington football team. So I'd, I'd be kind of happy that they get rid of that. <laughs> but, it's crazy uh, that they've had it for two years. Yeah, it took them that long to get their act together. That's a that's a bad organization right there. You don't yeah. have to do it. Um, all right, well, that just about does it on time. Any last thoughts, guys, um, for last-minute predictions or comments? I don't have anything. Yeah, go go hogs and um, let's do uh, well. Shields up this Sunday for the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a fun game. Uh, Sunday night football. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. It's going to be. I think a- it's Tarico these days. Tariq I don't know. That job. No, Michael. Michaels has this game. But one thing I will say, um, I read something that if the Jaguars beat the Colts, then the Raiders and the Chargers could both get in by tying. That's right. There, there is that scenario, Andrew. You, 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 you brought a conspiracy with that. If the Steelers beat the Ravens and the Jaguars beat the Colts, then the Steelers would have to still have the Chargers beat the Raiders. But if they both kneel, if, like if they tie the game on purpose, then, then they would both get in. But that would be really, really shameful for, for, that, for that actually to happen. I, really I think that would be that. awesome. That would be an absolute disaster. These these oh, these guys are rivals. These guys just come on. It's best team wins. The fans pay hundreds of dollars to see athletes play a game. <laughs> and I think it would be uh, uh, pretty. Yeah. Uh, well. Yeah. Not, not the best idea uh, to kneel the game away. Although it would be the first time in history. <laughs> <laughs> These two teams hate each other, so I would I would be surprised if Yeah, yeah, let's let's have an agreement. Let's let's kneel it down. And if they do, then I would hope that uh, on the last play of the game the Raiders can fake the kneel. Fake kneel to Hunter Renfro down the team. <laughs> oh man. Bolt bolts. Get your get your, your bolts up. Alright. That's the I don't know what they say, but <laughs> bolt up. All right. It's been fun. Andrew, thank you for joining us. We enjoyed your insight and your, your Raiders passion today. All right. Glad I could fill in today. No, not fill in. You were the guy we wanted. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, it seems like you got a great thing going, guys. Just keep up the good work. All right. Thank you. That's going to do it. We'll see you guys next time.